All right, pull out your message notes. I'm so excited about today. I have had this message in my heart now for a couple of months. It's really the whole series. It's a little bit of a different series uh, that I have actually taught. I hope you enjoyed it last week. It was a little bit raw, uh, a little bit kind of gritty. I went back and watched it a couple of times, but I feel like it still led us to hope uh, that we could face the reality of what life brings us and still know that there is hope, but life doesn't always end in a fairy tale. And it doesn't always happen. You know, sometimes good people lose and bad people win. Come on. I mean, it's just the way life is. Uh, and so we have been studying the book of Habakkuk, if you're new here. Um, and there's three chapters in it. I'm sure every one of you are well-versed in the book of Habakkuk. I'm sure of that. So what I'll be talking about today is probably nothing new to every person in this place. Uh, I do want to encourage you over the next couple of weeks, we're going to continue this series. Pastor Josh Joins will be with us next weekend. He is uh, the lead pastor of Faith Family. He's one of our overseers. And so he'll be continuing this series next weekend here with us. But Habakkuk is an interesting character. He is a prophet, and he is wrestling with some things that are taking place in his life. He's wrestling with some events that are taking place in the nation of Judah. Uh, usually a prophet is one that hears from God and then speaks to the people on behalf of God. But Habakkuk is a little bit different. He actually is hearing the cries of the people, and he in return speaks to God on behalf of the people. He comes on the scene about 600 years before Christ arrives here to this earth. And in this time frame, Judah has been prospering, but now they are on the decline. There is corruption, there is injustice, there is violence. And Habakkuk is questioning God. God, I don't understand why you're letting bad things happen to your people. So he is frustrated. And these tough questions he's asking God. And last week we, we talked about how many know it's okay to ask God tough questions. Uh, I want you to know it's okay to be frustrated with God. It's okay to be frustrated with your situation. But what we learned with Habakkuk last week was that while you are wrestling with tough questions, we don't walk away from God. We wrestle and then we embrace. And we can do both of them at the same time. Now today we're going to talk about waiting on God. Waiting on God. Someone said, that's so good. Listen, if wrestling is difficult, I mean, a waiting is even more difficult. Uh, we are a society that hates to wait for anything. How, how many are impatient? Anybody impatient? I, I, it is one of the fruits of the Spirit that skipped right over me. It's like, Lord, I don't know where that one went, but clearly that one is not evident in my life at times. I mean, that's why fast food is so popular, right? I mean, nobody loves McDonald's because of the taste. Well, some of you might, but not most people. It's because it's quick and it's convenient, right? It's fast. We're an instant society. That's why we like Netflix and Hulu. And why? Because we, we want to watch a movie and we want to watch television shows, but we want to watch it instantly. We want to instantly download those movies and television. How many love instant coffee? Thank God for your Keurigs, right? You ain't even got to wait on a pot. You just go put a little cup in the button, press a button, and you've got coffee in like 15 seconds. Come on, somebody. That is straight from heaven. That was a divine invention that God gave to man. Isn't that funny? You know, at the end of the day, for, my wife has been revolutionized. Her life, 
I mean, she two weeks, two months ago, three months ago, got this thing called an Instapot. Yeah. She will not stop talking. I'm like, you, you must really love it. I love this Instapot because before you'd have to cook a roast for eight to ten hours. And, and how many ever left the house? You thought you were going to have dinner when you got home and you forgot to turn the oven on. Something happens, and when Instapot will take this 8 to 10 hour process and condense it down to 45 minutes, you could cook a roast, taste just as good as it's been simmering all day long in 45 minutes, y'all. Somebody's like, where's that Instapot? I'm going to go, we're selling them out in the foyer, just go get you some. All profits go to the building fund. <laughs> That's right, come on somebody, go get it. Support your church. I mean, at the end of the day, these are all great things. They make life easier, but the problem is they make us less patient. We're no longer a society that knows what it means to wait. We become an instant society. The challenge is we don't serve an instant God. We serve a God who wants to grow our faith. He wants us to learn and develop patience so that we can endure the things that we're going to have to endure. And so we want this insta-life, and God's like, no, that's not how the Christian walk is. It is a slow process that takes time, and it's, it's not easy. Uh, and so for us, we've got to understand that we are on God's time, not our time. And we all face tough situations. We all have challenges in life that we're asking God, would you help us? And God, would you answer this prayer? Would you, you're waiting on the miracle and you're walking through this painful situation. But the truth is we still have to make ourselves realize we've got to wait on God's process. And prayers don't always get answered instantly. Sometimes they take time, and many times they could take years and decades for God to answer that prayer. It doesn't mean God doesn't care. It's just part of the process. And look, I, I want to give you a side note right now. If you have a, a need in your life and you need prayer, at the end of every service, we would love to pray for you. That's what our prayer partner and our ministry team do. They come down here at the end of service and we pray that God would move. And we've seen God do many great things. He's healed people. We've seen miracles take place. Marriages restored. Families brought back together. People get jobs unexpectedly. You know, debt canceled unexpectedly. God answered prayer, the reality of it is he just doesn't answer all of them right away. But look, even more than coming down at the end of the service to have someone pray for you, I want to encourage you to get into a small group. Let me tell you why. Because small group leaders have been trained to pray for every member in their small group every single day. Someone would say, well, pastor, your church is too big you know, how, how do I get connected? How do I have that personal touch? Well, you got to get into a small group. It's, it's not this church. It's not River Point. It's not any other church of size. Did you know a church that's over 50 people is too big? 50 people. That's why, because you can't get connected outside of that. So what has to happen is you've got to intentionally get into these smaller groups, which we have 80 of them all throughout the city through all different interests and likings that you might have. And, and that, that's where people get to know you. That's where we start to pray and intercede for one another. In fact, today's message is near and dear to my heart because of the men that I do life with in my small group. 
There are men in my small group. We meet every Thursday morning and, and we sit together. We laugh together. We cry together. We rejoice together. We go through good times together and bad times together. And in fact, there, there are men right now that are walking through tough situations in their life. They are hurting in their lives. There's a man right now that one of his friend's sons committed suicide recently. And he just asked us, he said, man, would y'all just pray that this family, the father, is just distraught and in depression and they don't know what to do with themselves and it's, this, it's a painful situation and as men, we just say, look, we're praying with you. What can we do? How can we help? How do we gather around this family to make sure that they get the help that they need as they walk through this situation? One of the men in our, our group is going through a financially tough time. He uh, has made millions of dollars and now is on the verge of bankruptcy through some, some things that have happened that are not any of his own doing or making. And he's walking through this struggle and this trial of, God, I, you blessed me in the past. I've done nothing wrong. I don't understand what's walking through this situation, this challenge. Why am I losing everything when I've done nothing wrong? You know, it's a painful situation to walk through. One of the guys, his, his son uh, has turned away from God and has become an atheist, doesn't even love God anymore. And he's like, man, I raised my child in church. We, we went to church together. God, I've been asking for you to save him. And for some reason, you're not. He is still off doing his own thing. God, I don't understand. It hurts. It's painful. And that's the question that we're going to answer this morning is, what do I do when I'm hurting? What do I do when I'm walking through pain in my life? Because every one of us, if we're not walking through pain right now, we will walk through pain in our life. And this is why we're waiting for God, because the whole time we continue to believe that God's going to move in a supernatural way. Look, three things Habakkuk shows us to do when we're hurting. The first one, position my heart to hear from God. Look, Habakkuk's hurting. He's in pain. But when he is hurting, he doesn't run from God. He doesn't quit the faith. He doesn't uh, turn away and say, I, I reject this whole Christianity thing. He, he doesn't say, God, you're not real. That's not what he does. What he begins to do is he positions himself to see the hand of God and to hear the voice of God. Look at Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. It says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. So someone says, well, what's a rampart, Pastor? Well, rampart is a tower that would have been built on the wall of a fortified city. So a rampart would be a tower. A watchman would go up to the tower, and they can see if anybody is approaching the city. They have a great view of what's about to take place. And so here we have Habakkuk saying, I'm going to station myself in a place where I can see and hear. He said, I'll look to see what God will say to me. So he's positioning himself. He, he, he's in pain, but he says, I'm not going to allow the pain to distract me from getting into a position to see and hear God in a clear and real way. And that's what we have to do. Look, when we're hurting, we've got to get into a position. Now, we're not going to climb up a tower on a fortified city wall, but what we are going to do is we're going to posture our hearts. It's not so much a physical location as it is the posture of our heart, which says, God, I'm listening to you. Now, I know that sounds easy, but how many know when you're hurting, the last thing you want to do is listen? I, I, what do you want to do? If, you, if you're, you're like, God, fix my marriage. Fix that spouse you blessed me with. I ain't so sure they are blessing right now. Fix them, Lord. Them kids I was praying for, I'm going to kill them, God. You got you to gotta do something, like, right? So we're telling him, God, you better, you better work on my boss. 
Because you know he's the one that's in the wrong. God, I need, you, I need you to bless my finances. I need you to heal my body. And look, I'm not saying don't pray. Prayer is awesome. It's great. But there's got to come a point where we stop talking and we start listening. If all we're doing is talking, then the posture of our heart is not listening to what God would speak to us in our life. And I'll tell you this. If you will listen, God will speak. He speaks so many different ways. He speaks through his word. This last week I was reading my one-year Bible. If you're new to the faith, I want to encourage you to get a one-year Bible. It's got a great diet of the word of God. It's got Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, and a Proverbs. And the beauty of it is every day it just feeds you a little bit. And last week I was just praying over our property. As a church, we're going to celebrate six years next month. And we're believing that this is the year that we're going to buy our permanent location. We, we own a property. It's our Fort Bend Dream Center. But we're believing this year we're going to buy at least 20, 15 to 25, 30 acres off of Highway 59 somewhere is what we're believing for. And uh, it's going to be a lot of money. It's going to take a miracle. It's going to take us as a church stretching our giving capacity. It's going to take us saving the spendings that we do and all of us coming together and saying, God, uh, we, we're going to see this miracle happen because we're going to do our part and then you're going to do your part and we're going to meet somewhere in the middle. And I was just praying and I, I read last week in Exodus where Moses was building the temple and he told the people of God to bring uh, the, their, their gold and their silver and the offerings to the, to the temple so they could build it. But there got to be a point in the building of that temple that Moses said, you have brought too much. Like, tell the people to stop giving. They have been so generous. We have more than we'll ever need to build this. And he commanded them to stop. And I felt like the Lord said, this is going to be a year of blessing for your church. You're not going to have lack. You're going to have more than enough. And so God just, what did he do? I was just reading his word and he began to speak to me. He'll speak to your spirit. You can be praying or driving down the road and God will just speak to your spirit. You can listen and worship like even the last song. They were just worshiping and I just thought from the ashes I will rise. I, I was praying, God, I, I think that's going to speak to somebody this morning. Why? Because God will speak to us when we're listening. Could even be a message. It could be a friend. Someone will, uh, will come and say a word to you, and God will use them to speak the right word at the right time. It might be a circumstance. A door might close. Another one might open. What's happening? God is speaking to you if we will listen. Now, here's the caveat. How many know there's always a caveat? There's always a warning. The warning is God may not say what you want Him to say. So that's where you have to posture yourself because how many have ever had God speak something and you're like, oh no, that definitely wasn't God. That's got to be the pizza or them hot wings that brought that acid reflux into my body. You know what I'm talking about. That definitely wasn't God. And God's like, no, 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 that was me preparing you for what you're about to walk through. I mean, that's what happened with Habakkuk. He's praying for deliverance and God says, oh, I'm going to do something you won't believe. And Habakkuk's like, well, praise God. I mean, I could just imagine, awesome. He said, no, no, I'm going to raise up your enemies, the Babylonians, to destroy you. That's what you're not going to believe. Can you imagine Habakkuk said, but, but that's not what I'm praying for. And you have to realize the Bible is full of stories where people prayed for God to do something and he didn't do what they asked him to do. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul. If you're new to the faith, the Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament. Uh, just an amazing spiritual giant in the faith. And uh, he is here talking to God. And uh, he's saying, look, God, there's a thorn in my flesh, 
a messenger of Satan to torment me. And so he was like, God, this, this messenger is tormenting me. Three times I pleaded with you to take it away from me. Three times, Lord, take this pain away. Now, we don't know what the thorn was. We don't, we don't know what the messenger of Satan was. We just know it really bothered him. It was, it was enough to where he's pleading for God to help him. And look at God's response. I mean, you can imagine the Apostle Paul who is this spiritual giant. I mean, this man has been beaten. He's been left for dead. He's been shipwrecked. He's been bitten by snakes. He's been stoned. And not recreationally, come on, somebody. You got to kind of clarify that nowadays. It wasn't no puff, puff, give. Woo, I'm suffering for Jesus. No, physical stones. Someone's like, see, God doesn't mind the reefer, baby, the weed. Pass. No, no, stone, like physical stones. You got to clarify nowadays, man. I'm just telling you. Yeah. So this man has been through all of that. And you can imagine, God, if anybody you should listen to, it ought to be me. I mean, I have the bat line to you. And look at what he says. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Right, three times he asked God, said, yeah, you got my, my grace. I mean, can you imagine? So here's what we have to understand is what is God speaking to me in my situation? Whether I like it or not, God will speak if I'll listen. Second thing is we got to write down what it is that God says. So whatever it is that God speaks to your heart, you got to really write it down. you got to make sure you, you document it. Look at what it says in verse 2. It says, the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets. Write it down. When God speaks to you, make sure you journal. Make sure, and, and don't wait. Now you got your iPhones and you can just go into notes and you can write things down. Because people will many times forget what it is that God spoke to you. I mean, how many have ever had that happen? God speaks a word and, and you just, all of a sudden you forget. You're like, I'm never going to forget. It is so good, mm, so fresh and so deep. There is no possible way that I can miss this word or forget it. I mean, it happens all the time. Think about a Sunday morning. Uh, God will speak to you. Maybe it's through the message. Maybe it's through worship. Maybe it's something somebody said. And you leave out. And I mean, you just, you got all your kids. You're about to go home. And I can't tell you how many times this happened. Got all the kids in the background. Got to go to the grocery store because I just need a couple of things. Don't need a lot, just a couple. No sooner you pull out of the parking lot, your kids get into a fight. Mom, he's touching me. Uh-uh, no, I'm not. She kicked me. Well, he called me stupid. Ah! And you, you're frustrated. They're fighting. And you're like, would you please? We just got out of church. Where's Jesus? I don't know where Jesus is, but they just hit me. <laughs> and you're about there just trying to grab a leg. Anybody ever done that? Your kids are like this. But when I get you, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I got, I got you too. You shut up. You know what I'm talking about? And you get to Kroger's and you're thinking, it can't get any worse. I'm just going to take, take them in the store just for a second though. And if it couldn't get worse, it does get worse. And now you've got people looking at you like, what kind of a person are you? And isn't that the pastor of that church that meets in the high school? Mm-hmm. You're frustrated, your kids are frustrated, you don't even know if you're saved anymore, right? Everybody gets home and you're just angry, and you can't even remember what God said, much less what pastor preached on you, like, I'm so, I don't even know what, I, I, I have no idea what you spoke to me, God, it, it is no longer here because I don't even think you love me. 
Right? So you got to know this. Satan wants to rob from you what God gives to you. So that's what he does. Just the practical way is if you don't write it down, it's these little situations. And it's like, man, I'm never going to forget. No, you will forget because we are human. So we position ourselves to hear. We write things down that God speaks. And the third thing is you got to wait expectantly for God to do what he said he would do. So i got to wait expectantly. Look at verse 3. It says, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it lingers, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. So as a Christian, look, you may be in the waiting season. It may seem like it's forever away. But there ought to be this hope, this expectation. Like, God, I'm believing that what you have spoke to me will come to pass. And until I step across to the other side of eternity, I'm going to constantly have hope. I'm going to have hope in the darkness. I'm going to believe against all hope that you can do what nobody else can do. Maybe you're single here this morning and you've stopped dating all my single ladies and all my single men. And you're, you're, you're saying, God, won't you please just, come on, give me that spouse, God. You've been praying and I, you're like, I, I'm getting older. I don't know if God will ever do it. Look, grab a hold of God's word. I love what Psalms 37 verse 4 says. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So if that's a desire of your heart while you're delighting yourself in the Lord, hold on to God's promise expectantly that Mr. Wonderful, Sister Amazing is going to be here when it's God's time and not any sooner. Like, God, I'm going to wait expectantly for you. You're praying for that child to come back to, to God and you raised them up right. I mean, just begin to quote Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It may look like they're going to the left or to the right, further away from God, but I promise you, God is still in control. I expect, God, in your time that you're going to touch my son, you're going to touch my daughter, you're going to touch my spouse, my mom, my dad, whoever it is that I'm praying for. Why? Because I'm expecting you to do what you said you would do. Maybe you're looking for a job and you've been praying, God, give me, give me favor to find the right job. Maybe trying to start a business or you, you, you need your employees to love you more. I always pray Psalms 512. I love this. It says, you bless the godly with favor as a shield. That whatever situation, I'm just, God, I pray favor with my employees. God, I pray favor with my boss. I pray favor with the new job. There may be a hundred people that applied, but somehow yours gets put up to the top of the stack. Doesn't make sense. You don't have the credentials. You don't have the education, but you've got God. We don't stop believing and stop expecting. We expect God to do what he's going to do. We've got to understand that God's delays are not God's denials. The devil has lied to somebody in here and said, God will never do what he said he would do. That's, you didn't hear from God. That wasn't God. And you've got to say, no, baby, God's delay is not his denial. It's not final. God's going to come through. Just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it's not going to happen in my life. Grab a hold of the word of God and wait expectantly for God to do what he said he would do. Now, listen, waiting is not passive. Sometimes you can hear the word waiting and it can put us in this mentality of passive living. Look, when you're waiting, I mean, no, we don't put our life on hold. We don't stop. 
We don't stop doing what God's called us to do. We don't stop giving where God's called us to give. We don't stop serving and loving and fulfilling all that God's called us to do. The waiting season is just this stretching point of, God, I'm going to keep living this life as a disciple while I'm waiting on your promises for my life. That's what I love about our dream team. We have almost 400 people that serve each and every week. And you know what it is that I love about them? These are young men and young women. These are older men, older women. These are teenagers. This is every person that says, look, I'm going to serve and give my time, my talent, my treasure. I'm going to give it all to God. It's not because their life is perfect. Sometimes what we could do is we could look at it and you see the smile on their face while they're greeting you down the, 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 the uh, breezeway. You can see the smile on their face when they're checking you into children's check-in. The, 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 sir, the, the dream teamers can be smiling as you're checking kids into the children's department or serving in, as ushers and greeters. But the reality, that smile doesn't mean they're not facing any other problems. That smile means this. They have found something greater to live for than the problems that they have. That you are more important to them than the struggle that they're walking through. And that though their life may have some pain, look, you got youth that are serving whose parents are getting divorced. You got people that are serving, shaking your hand, and their husband has left them. Listen to me, you got people out there that are financially in duress. They're losing their house, losing their car. They don't know how to, to make ends meet, but they're out there setting up the children's environment, setting up these environments. And it's not because their life is without problems. They say, God, you're greater, and I know you're greater, and I'm not going to stop serving you. I'm going to keep moving my life forward, that while I'm waiting, I'm not going to be passive. I'm not going to be defeated. I'm going to make a difference in the lives of the people you're going to bring across my path. Look, if it's not God's time, you can't force it. But when it's God's time, you can't stop it. And so in the waiting, we don't just disengage. You know, that's the challenge. People just totally, well, when God fixes my marriage, I'll serve. Look, baby, you're going to be married the rest of your life. And I promise you, you're going to have good days and bad days. God fixes my kids. Yeah, well, you can't control them, so... The reality is the more you try to fix them, the more they get messed up. It seems like to me, I mean, I just got to let go and say, God, they're your kids. I'm going to raise them up. Because that's the excuse the enemy says, well, when you get your life together, then you can go. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm not. And God, when it's your time, you're going to make it. And no devil in hell can stop what you're going to do. But I can't force it right now. I can't make it happen on my own. We got to walk by faith and not by sight. Look at Romans 1.17. The righteous live by faith. It's not about what I can see. It's about what I know. God, you are good. God, you love me. That my God can, my God will. But even if he doesn't, he is still faithful. I still believe in you, God. I know, I know that the darkness is around. I know it's tough. I know that, that, that it seems like I'm walking through this valley, and I've been walking through it for a long time, but God, I really, I believe in you. I don't understand it, but I believe in you. I don't like it, but I love you. God, I may not have all the answers, but you do. I may never get them on this side of eternity, but I will one day when I step across. It was funny. I was talking to someone at the gym this week, and uh, I think it was Roy, and he was talking about this series, and you know, he said, it's funny, we have questions. He said, I always, always told my wife that 
I've got, when I get to heaven, I've got these questions. I'm going to ask God, God, why this and how come that? And he just said, you know, I got, I got some questions. And he said, my wife just said, you know, Roy, when you get to heaven, those questions won't even matter. Isn't that true? See, the devil wants to get us sidetracked on the questions. God wants us to get it focused on his purpose. So as a church, this is what we've got to do. We've got to walk through these situations and say, God, I choose to believe. You are my hope in the darkness. I ain't got to have all the answers. I may not understand, and it's okay. But if I understand that God is my anchor, what does that mean? That in the storm, he's going to hold me down. No matter what I walk through, that God's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me, that he loves me. Then what happens is I can walk through life. That's how come you can have peace that passes all understanding. Well, why? Because I'm walking through it. How can you have peace when you're walking through cancer? It's just my God. Don't understand it, but that's how God works. He gives us the grace as Paul. God, I want you to remove it. But God said, I'm not going to remove it. I'll give you grace. But in your weakness... I'm made strong. So what area do you have that's weak? What area are you struggling in? Where you just say, God, I can't. He says, I know that. I can. Just give it to me. I just want to pray over us this morning. Father, we thank you for your strength. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your grace. That, Lord, all that you are doing in our lives, Lord, I... I I know that there are people here in this room, there are people that are watching the live stream that they're struggling. They're walking through this valley and they've got questions and they're wrestling. And, but God, I'm asking you today, would you help them get in a position to hear? Would you help them to write down what it is that you say? And then in the waiting, God, don't let them lose heart. That God, you're faithful. You've never left them. You never will. You love them. And God, I pray that we would surround ourselves with men and women that would pray for us, that would love us, not trying to fix us. I'm just so reminded of last week. It's okay for us to not be okay. And God, I thank you that we are believing your promises, your word, that it would come to pass, that you would do what you said you would do. And Father, we thank you in advance for it being done in such a powerful and a real way. We love you, Jesus. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. There are some of you here today that you never surrendered your life to God. You've never made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. Maybe you're here and a friend invited you. Maybe you just came on your own. Or maybe you've been coming for weeks or months. But you feel the presence of God right here, right now. And you are ready to surrender everything to him. I want to lead you in a prayer of surrender. See, I believe that in these moments, these are the moments that can define our life for the rest of our life, that His presence is here. We respond to His presence. And the amazing thing is salvation is what Christians call it. This is where God comes into our life. He becomes our Lord and our Savior. And we are saved from the penalty of sin, which is death. See, the challenge of religion is that religion tries to make you better. Religion tries to dress you up like if you do enough good things, then you will be good enough for God. I need you to know that you will never be good enough for God. 
The Bible says the wages of sin is death. It says that for us, we are dead in our sins, that each and every one of us, we cannot earn our salvation through good works. Salvation comes by grace through faith in Christ. It is a gift. See, you don't need to be better. You need to be alive. Dead men don't get better. They've got to be resurrected. And we are spiritually dead without Christ. He's in this room right now to resurrect you to life. How do you do it? We pray a prayer of surrender. And I wonder if that's you in this room. I'm going to pray. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. If that's you, I wonder if you'd be bold enough just to slip your hand up. Pastor, I want to pray a prayer of surrender right now. I feel dead on the inside and I'm ready to come alive right now in this moment. Just raise your hand real high. Let me see it. I see you. Yep, yep, yep. Yes, yes, yes. Come on. Come on. You still want to get in it? Just raise your hand. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, church. Tell them how proud you are of them. Yes. Now, there's nothing magical about the prayer. It's the condition of our heart. We're just praying a prayer of surrender that I'm going to lead you and pray this. Say, Jesus, I need you. Save me. Forgive me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I give you everything right now. I give you my hopes. I give you my dreams. I give you my future. I give you all of me in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Come on, worship God this morning.